Today we are concluding on how to know and how to be in the perfect will of God. And we're using Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Our main focus has been in that second part of verse 2 in Romans 12, where we have been studying and we noticed that when it comes to the will of God, we note that verse tells us that there's what we call the good will of God, and there's what we call the acceptable will of God, but then we also have the perfect will of God. And we said for the purposes of our discussion, we will give it just two categories, the good will of God and the acceptable will of God. We will call it the, the imperfect will of God. So we have the will of God that it's God's will for us, but it's not God's perfect will. God allows us, it might not even be sin, you know, uh, but it's not God's perfect will. You are really not in the sweet spot. I mean, if it was, a, if it was an examination, you, you just passed, you know. You, you, you got six out of ten. You, you, you didn't do well, Mara. You didn't ace it. It's not ten out of ten. You, you're almost there. Mara, you're not there, you know. So we were saying in the last few weeks, what we want is to really be in the perfect will of God. And I'm going to show you, Barcelona, Today, what are the advantages of being in the perfect will of God? You know, uh, oftentimes people don't really figure out why things are not working in their lives. And of the many things that I personally have observed in my own personal life, in my journey with the Lord, as I've led people and watched people's lives in my family everywhere, I've found out one of the major, major things that makes a big difference in how your life pans out and where your life goes is whether you are in God's perfect will or not. There are many people who are not living in God's perfect will. And so they, as a result, they can never maximize in their lives. They will never ever be at the top of what God wants them to be. They'll never know God's best. They will never be God's best. They will never see the fulfillment of their destiny to the fullest. They will achieve certain things. They will get there. Mara, it's about six out of ten. You know, it's all right, Mara. You know, you know it's like, I'm a commentator, you're not a bed. You know, and I say, but you're talking about a good thing. Where does the word bed fit? You know? God should look at my life and say, Mara, you're not a bed. I want God to say it's, it's good. Amen. Tell your neighbor, please don't come under the weather. You're not saying amen enough. Bishop is waiting for your amens. Please, please, please. All right. So we noted that in the perfect will of God is the complete will of God. This is where God is pleased with us. God is excited with us. And uh, in the perfect will of God, we are fitting exactly where God wants us. And we are in the sweet spot. And in the perfect will of God, our needs are met. And we are operating in what God designed us to be. In the imperfect will of God, we may... You know, we may do well for a while, but it does catch up with us. 
God accommodates us. God puts up with us uh, because we've, we haven't really embraced what he wants for our lives. And so in the perfect will of God, God has just been patient with us and he's giving us time to come back to the right track. It's almost like, you know, with your car, you know, if it's out of alignment, you know, and, and it's, you've got new tires on it, you know, and it's slightly out of alignment. You know, for a while, this, that, that slight out of alignment doesn't affect your tires. It's, your tires are fine. But the longer you're, you're, you remain being out of alignment, then you know that your tires did you have one side. You know, you saw, and then, and then I, it has happened to me in the past when I didn't know. Then sometimes you find you have to replace a tire. One side is so old, the other side is so new. And you, you, and, it, and you couldn't get a lot of mileage out of that tire because it's slightly out of alignment. There's a lot of people in life that don't get a lot of mileage out of their life because they're, they're, not, they're not sinning. They're not they're not really doing what, and sometimes it's not even sin. It's not sin. It's just that they are not in God's will. God wants you to be a pastor when you are insisting to become a business person. So it's not bad. You're not sin. You're not smoking. You're not going to parties. You're not. You're not where God wants you. you know? You're not where God wants you. you know? And when God spoke to the prophet Elijah, you know, I love this one. Maybe I should have put it in, the, in my, in my in sermon today. I didn't. And God tells Elijah, he says to him, I'm going to send the raven to bring food to you. He says, he says, Mara, go to the brook of Cherith, for there the raven is going to find you. You know, in other words, I, I have provided for you. I've already put into motion my plan. I've already assigned a raven. And as you know, a raven, it's, it's, it's a predator. It's a, it's a bird that eats dead things. Ravens don't feed anybody. So God moves so miraculously that he causes even things that wouldn't normally do certain actions. See, when God starts providing for you, Bazalana, he will turn things around for you. Are you understanding? But the, but the issue is God says, go to the brook of Cherith. Go there. Go to that place. He says, go to that brook. He says, he says I have commanded the raven to feed you there. Yeah. It's going to feed you. Mara is going to feed you at a specific spot. Yeah, yeah. When Moses was saying to God, you have said I must lead these people. You haven't shown me your glory. Show me your glory. You know. God, God told him, he says, go to a place, a specific place. He says, for there you will have an encounter with me. There's always a place that's called there. And when we talk about the perfect will of God, it's that specific spot. Bazalan, you know, and there are people who are really not doing bad, but they're not doing best. You know, they're not doing best. It's, things are not bad. Mara, you are not where God wants you to be. I don't know about you, but I want to be in God's perfect will for my life. Are you understanding what I'm saying, Bazalana? I want the raven to find me, but I want to hear God when he says, go there. I want to know is the right spot, and I want to obey when God says, go there. Look at your neighbor and say, Hallelujah. So we've noticed that in establishing God's will, number one, we must use the word of God as the standard for truth. Number two, we can establish God's perfect will by listening to the witness of the Holy Spirit. I'm revising, by the way. Number three, last week, we talked about the role of prophecy. And the major thing we noted last week was that in the New Testament time, prophecy is not meant to reveal anything we don't know it's meant to confirm what we already know because the role of the New Testament prophet 
is not a revelation, but confirmation. And, and in the New Testament, we all have the Holy Spirit in us who guides us and leads us into all truth. So when the prophet speaks and he's telling us what the will of God is for our life, they are only confirming what we already know. And we saw in the case of Paul, when Agabus took his belt and tied his hands with it and said, that says the Holy Spirit, this is what they will do to this man who's the owner of this belt. Paul was not hearing it for the first time. Paul already knew because from the very onset, God told him he's going to suffer for the gospel. And I think this is where many people muddy up the issue of prophets and prophecies. You know, a prophecy is necessary. Prophets are necessary. But where do they fit? And this is where we go wrong very often. We are not really good at examining scripture and putting things in their right place. God never meant for you as a New Testament believer to go consulting prophets to know what God's will is. It never was meant that. Thank you for those hands. Just single, one solitary person. Thank you. See, I'll tell you why they're not clapping because my Yakoba profiting, but that's why, that's why, that's why they're not clapping. They don't like what I'm saying. You know. Now there's a role for prophets, and of course we haven't talked about what what is a New Testament prophet because there's lots of people who call themselves prophets. They are far from what the Bible is saying, unless you're talking about a prophet of another. Chandra or <laughs> another kind. But the Bible prophet, you see. But people like it. And you see, you know, when people love a church where you just do prophecy 24-7, 365 and a quarter. Because people are lazy to discipline themselves to hear from God. They don't want to take the responsibility to hear from God. They want you to prophesy. They don't want to read the Bible. They don't want to pray. They don't want to go, let me stand right here. The people here are not saying amen. Maybe you will say that. They don't want to pray. They don't want to discipline. They don't want to live right. They don't want to make the right decisions. Come on, come on. I want to hear you. I want to, I want to hear you. I want, they don't want to make the right decisions. They just want to come to a prophet. Press, press buttons like you do with the ATM. And get a prophecy on call. Yeah. People don't want, I know many people, when people come for counseling, very often sometimes they want me to tell them what God is saying about the last. Hey, why? I'm battling to find out about my life. Are you understanding what I'm saying? But you see, a prophet will confirm any prophecy I've ever received. Let me, say, let me rephrase. I've received lots of prophecies and there's been a number of them that confirmed. But I can tell you, the majority of prophecies I'd received, I can tell you, if I had followed them, my life would be in a mess today. And sometimes those prophecies come when you're at the most vulnerable time in your life. When things are not working out, you're not getting a job, there's not much joy, and you're not praying much anymore, and you feel like you're backsliding. I can see these prophets, but they prophesy you out of the will of God. Prophesy you out of your marriage. Prophesy you out of your church. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And when you trace their prophecy at the end, they're somewhere. Just follow the money. Follow the money. You will find the money somewhere. Look at it and say, why are you not saying amen? Are you one of those? So we said there's a few things we forgot to ask about prophecy. Number one, does it line up with the word of God? Number two, does it produce liberty or bondage? These are the filters. Like, filter when it comes to your computer programs. 
the program say the virus, antivirus. So antivirus, we have a biblical prophetic antivirus filter. You turn on that filter. When the prophecy comes, if it doesn't come from God, the antivirus goes <laughs> So it doesn't go through the other way. So we've got these, you know, and, and, and these things are easy. If we can just follow the Bible. Our problem is we're trying to create our own type of spirituality. We're trying to be spiritual outside of what God is saying. Mm-hmm. Right? We're trying to be spiritual, but we're not using any guidelines. It's like any, there's, no, there's nothing in this world that doesn't have guidelines. If you want to be a pilot and you want to be in aviation, you don't just go there and do anything in aviation. You don't just get into a plane and do what you like. No, no. There's, there's guidelines. And it doesn't matter what you feel. Are you understanding me? It doesn't matter what you feel. Those guidelines were there before you came. They will be there after you are gone. And you keep to the guidelines. You will fly safely. You will land safely. You will not crash. Yeah. But in spiritual things, I've never understood why people follow things that when you go to the Bible, they're not there. And when you ask them, they are so spiritual that say you will never find that in the Bible. Which God are you following? Because the God who spoke to us gave us his word. In the book of Corinthians, these things happened to them for examples unto us. So we can read the Bible and we can follow, we can see what happened is an example. It's something we use as a guideline. Antivirus. We've got a lot of spiritual antiviruses. So we ask that question, does the prophecy produce liberty or bondage? Does the prophecy glorify Christ or does it draw attention to Papa? Does it draw attention to a human being? That we make a human being God. Now that's not like when you appreciate somebody and thank somebody. There's nothing wrong with giving honor where honor is due. But there is a cut-off point. There's a place, Bazalana, we can't go. We can't go. No matter how much God anoints us, we will never be God. No matter how much God uses me, I can never be God in your life. Never. And I should never attempt. There's, there's spaces where I can't go. I can lead. I can challenge you. I can ask that we do certain things, but I can never be God. And you must never treat me like God. Please don't. Never pray in my name. I bind you. Don't just pr- don't pray in my name. Don't have to have a t-shirt with my face on it and wear it for protection. I bind you. Don't do that. I'm just a human being like you. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So go to ask those questions. Go to ask those questions. Yeah, come on, come on. I know you don't like clapping. Come on, come on, come on. Come on. The fourth thing that we ended with was the anointing that abides in us will teach us. 1 John 2, 20 and 27. The Spirit of God in you will teach you how. He will give you a discomfort. When you have been taken for a ride, get these prophecies. Yeah. Many people have lost money with these guys. When you talk to them, they say, you know, I'm not comfortable. Mara, you still went to the ATM and withdrew the money. You gave the prophet. You followed them. They took you to a dark alley. They prophesied you. And you still followed. There's something don't go. Mara, you still go. 
sometimes that even if you can feel mara you are still following ngathi khona into ekubambile nje yakuhambi hayi 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 ethi amen basalwana amen many people who have lost money that we hear story after story after story of people who have been scammed and all of them without fail they will tell you i was uncomfortable I'm trying to tell you what made you uncomfortable is the Holy Spirit inside of you who was whispering to you. But we, we don't know how to listen to that still small voice. We don't even know how to recognize it. Listen, Barcelona, if you're not sure about something, don't do it! God will not punish you for not doing something that you're not sure about. But these people, they put fear in you. If you don't come, God will strike you blind. Listen, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, we've already talked about it. And I'll just give you the verses today. Please allow me not to read them. But maybe the people at the back can help me because I didn't write them down. The perfect will of God is different to ours. Really, Barcelona, you'll note very often, I think we have an inborn default mechanism. I was talking about it, I think, on Tuesday when I was leading the prayer. And so many people responded to that. And I was telling them that as human beings, we just have an inborn inbuilt default mechanism. There are things that we just default into. It just shows you how, how, how human we are, how, how, how fallen we are. That's why even when you are born again and you are a new creature in Christ, don't take it for granted that the flesh has changed. I was telling them, and they didn't like it when I said, and I said, look, there are natural things that men default into. Men love women, generally speaking. We find women attractive. Oh, no, no, don't look at men like that. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you. Men, men find women attractive. If men had it their way, they would have more than one woman. Men are more prone to cheat than women. So listen to me, ladies. Listen to me. Listen to me. So if you, if you find a guy or your husband who's faithful, who's not cheating, Mamelang, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you must know that that guy is working very hard to stay out of that problem. You must know that. And you must appreciate it. You must appreciate it. You must appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. People don't care even if you are a pastor. I have been tested ever since I was a single pastor. I don't remember any time where I was never tested. People who know you're married, they know you're married. They've heard you say you want to live right. No, I want to Mabakfuna. And, they, and this is strange. They will even want to justify. So what you do, you just be like Joseph. Don't entertain certain things. Guys, listen to me, men. Please listen to me. We know how slippery this is. So 
don't don't entertain it. Remember the text message, don't entertain it. Deal with it. Deal with it. Men are more prone to cheat. I'm telling you. That's why we must help one another as guys. When you see a guy says, Ashaba, man, man, can put muta acho. Why pega lom tana ganje? Chain in It's a. I'm not saying all men. I'm saying just it's just a slippery area. So as men, we must reinforce ourselves. And guys, don't take it for granted. Don't put yourself in a situation at all too long. Don't put yourself in that situation. Women, on the other hand, struggle with the issue of respect. The way they talk to their husbands. I'm quoting the Bible. Don't give me that look. I'm quoting the Bible. God talks to men about faithfulness, loyalty, and, and loving their wives and honoring them. And he talks to the women about showing respect. Because women, when it comes to generally, I'm just generalizing, they struggle there to respect their husband. The way they talk. So if you're married to a woman who shows respect, you see, that's a woman. I'm about to work alone. You see, because, you see, you see, in South Africa, we are trying to present the man as the only one who has fallen from the grace of God. The Bible didn't say only men have sinned and come short. It says all have sinned. No one is going to convince me that women are intrinsically good. No one is going to tell me. Women are just as much sinners as we are as men. That's why Jesus died for men and women. Period. And it's the gospel that helps us. Yeah. So we've got to take the gospel. So guys, if you're married to a woman who addresses you well and treats you with honor and respect, and when you see your wife do that, you must be grateful because she's working very hard not to cross a line. She's working very hard. Because if you, if you leave it to us, if you leave it to us in our fallen state without God, without trainer, you'd have many women. Cheat left and right, have kids all over the world. You don't care. That's a man is, man is like that. Men are like that. Our fallen state is like that. But that's why Christ makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. Are you understanding? Are you understanding? No, I'm saying that. I've never cheated on my wife, and I never will cheat on my wife by God's grace. I'm not saying it because I've got issues. I'm just telling you that even with that, I am very aware. And I'm I don't want to play. Ah. Ah, because the default mechanism Oh, Jesus. Caesar, Baba. Help. Amen. Amen. So, so God's will is different to the way we are. We, we are more prone to be out of God's will. That's us. That's us. So to be in God's will, you need to be very disciplined. You need to be very decisive. I'm telling you. You need to decide this is God's will for me. I'm going to follow God. It's, it's more easier, Barcelona, to tell a lie than to speak the truth. It's more easier to commit adultery than to be sexually pure. I'm telling you, God's will is different to ours. That's number one. Number two, and I hope they can show me these verses at the back. Psalms 18, verse 30. The perfect will of God is best. As for God... His way is perfect. Do you see that? As for God, his way is perfect. The will of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those who trust in him. The perfect will of God is, is, is perfect. So, number two, therefore, the perfect will of God is best. 
There's nothing better than being in the middle of God's will for your life. I'm telling you, if you can live in the perfect will of God, even if it's not 10 out of 10, even if you just do 8 out of 10, the outcome of your life will be million times better. Million times better. Million times better. You know, as we, as we age and as we get older, you know, we meet people we started with years ago. Years ago. Years ago. Some of us, we remember th- the ridicule we, we suffered from people when we chose to follow Christ. The things that people said about us. Some of us who became pastors when being a pastor was not a popular thing in South Africa. As a young guy of 22, my, 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 my colleagues mocked me. Hey, the things they said. Hey, I meet them today. Yeah, we meet. Yeah, and when we start talking, and of course you don't brandish and boast about your life, but they want to know where are you, and then they say, oh, we see you on TV, we hear about you. Oh, so go to Noli Sirius. Listen to me, Bazalana. When you walk in God's will, you have to be willing to walk it alone. Are you understanding? If you know it's God's will for your life, you must be willing to take the brunt for it. Why? Because several years later, your life will turn out a million times better. Met a young man yesterday who happens to be uh, in, and I didn't even tell Mama, get Lamlela afterwards. He, he happens to be in the church here, Bishop Nwaka. Uh, Bishop Naka has branches here. So he knows me through his bishop. So, you know, Bishop Naka was here uh, and then whatever. Anyhow, so this young man said, oh, we were expecting you to come to our church with Bishop Naka. I said, no, I was busy. I was traveling. He said, hey, he said, you know, you are my spiritual dad. I said, oh, he says, you know, I'm so thankful to have met you. You know how people like, all of that. I won't tell you what he said. But then he said, we're so thankful to God. Then he starts asking me questions. He says, you've been in ministry for so long. When you look back, what would you say about your life? You know, what's been the quality of your life? And I said to him, you know what? I can tell you, if, if I was to start again, I would make the same choice. I, I don't have a single regret of having become a pastor. I'm being honest with you, Bazaar. Not a single regret. Yeah? Yeah. I may not be a famous whatever. I may not have tons and tons of money. I may not have whatever, whatever. But I can guarantee you, in terms of contentment, peace, joy, you know, as Eskom says, amen. <laughs> it's been the best thing ever to be in the will of God. Amen. Can I hear a good amen, Bazaar? Yeah. It's been the best thing ever. It's been the best thing ever. And I said to this young man, I would never exchange this for anything in the world. Amen. I'm telling you the truth, Bazaar. I would never, ever exchange it. Because I found out in life, what makes life worth it is not fame, it's not money, it's not popularity, it's purpose. When you live for purpose, when you know that, when you know that what you're doing, when you go to bed at night, you say, this is what I was born for. Trying to encourage some of you young people whom God is calling into the ministry. Yeah, my friends went into, and of course it was their calling. They went into other areas, and I never said anything. That, that was their calling. But their problem was they were mocking me for being a pastor. You see? And I said, and I said the best reward, I'll tell you, this one for me is the first prize. 
is to see the changed lives. When you see how God touches people's lives as a result of you obeying the call of God, it's priceless. And I said to this young man, you see, everything that every industry does ends on this earth. If you work for a company, they make profit, they do everything, but everything ends here. For us, not only does it have benefit here, even in eternity, there's people who are going to meet in heaven who are the fruit of what we did here on earth. I said, I said to this young guy, I said to this young guy, I said, I would never exchange it. All my youth, I was 22 years old, which have a couple routine, and I don't have a single regret. Oh, yeah. And even now, I still feel the breath of God in my heart and the passion to do more. I want to just do more and more and more and more and satisfied. And it's got nothing to do with money or fame. It's got something to do. When I look around in our church and I see people who've been here 30 years, 40 years, and I know where they started and I see the problems they had and I see how God's word has transformed them and changed them and I, and I see what God does and I say, This is what it's about. Same with you. Wherever God has called you, whether you're a doctor, you're a nurse, you're a business person, you, you, you get to that point in your life where you say, this is what I was born for. The perfect will of God is better than anything. Number three, the perfect will of God can be found and fulfilled in your life. It would be great for you guys at the back to go to the next scriptures whilst I'm talking. It says, I delight to do thy will, O God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. I delight to do your will, O God. Thy law is in my heart. Look at 1 Peter 2, verse 11 to 24. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. Keep going. Next verse. Submit everyone to the ordinance of man. Keep go- okay, let's go over to verse 20 and 24 because this... It's a long passage. Verse 20. For what glory is it when you are buffeted for your faults, you will take it patiently. But if you do well, you suffer for it, you take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. Yeah, keep going. For even here unto you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow. He's talking here about, you know, when you are suffering because you are in the perfect will of God. You know, you know, you know sometimes, this is what I found. Our world is a strange world. I mean, even as a young guy, you know, you find elderly people asking you, you know, and, 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 and mocking you for being a pastor. You know? So, that, so, so they would rather I drink and, and I have women. Then they don't say anything. And this is what I found very strange, that why are people like this? Why are people like this? When they have a child who's obedient, who goes to church, then they want to exert their will on the child. Even when the child says, no, I want to go to the other church, and they can see their life, no. But if that child, they would never say a word. No, no, don't give me that look. I'm preaching now. I have never at all understood it. Never. You find men who have faithful wives being the ones who are cheating. And he's got a good wife, this guy. Was that sometimes in Not this way, that way. It's called the fivefold ministry. 
But then you have women who have a good husband who are mistreating the poor guy. I just have not understood us as human beings. What happens? So here it says, if you are suffering for the will of God, remember Jesus suffered. Doesn't mean when you're doing right, everyone's going to sing your praises. Are you there, Basalon? But then it says, even if you are suffering, in the long run, your life will be in a better space. No, no, go back. Why, why, why? You suffer for it, take it patiently. This is acceptable to God. Go to verse 21. I want to go all the way to verse 24. Verse 21. For even here you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. He suffered. When Jesus was crucified, he hadn't done anything wrong. Watch it, Bazalana. When he went around preaching and teaching, the Pharisees would come and criticize him, everything. The brother hadn't done anything wrong. Jesus hasn't done anything wrong. It's just our world. Our world has a way of taking what's good and making it wrong. But they have other people who do so much wrong and everybody supports them. When they do wrong, nobody says anything. You do something wrong, A1, and just see what people are going to say. It's just the sickness of the world. That's how sick our world is. Verse 22. Who did no sin... Neither there was guile found in his mouth. This is Jesus. Keep going. Who, when he was reviled, didn't revile again. When he suffered, he didn't threaten. But he committed himself to the one who judges righteously. Verse 24. I love it. Who, his own self, bear our sins in his own body on a tree, that we've been dread unto, unto sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. Jesus was an example. So this verse says, well, now, doesn't mean when you're in God's will, you'll be liked. But at the end of it all, your life will turn out better. Can I hear an amen? The perfect will of God can be found and fulfilled in your life. Number four, the Bible tells us about the areas that are God's perfect will for mankind. I'm going to go through these areas quickly, quickly, quickly. We won't read the scriptures. A, this is point number four, A. A, four, A. A, it is God's perfect will for us to be saved, 1 Peter 2.24. B, it's God's perfect will for people to be sanctified, to live a clean life, 1 Peter 2.11 and 12. C, it is God's will for people to be submissive and be under authority, not in rebellion and being stubborn. 1 Peter 2, 13 and 17. D, it is God's will for people to suffer for righteousness. When you are suffering for what's right, it's God's will. It's God's will. Yeah. Jesus said, blessed are you when men persecute you. Blessed are those who suffer for righteousness' sake. So if people now, they call you names because you pray, you read the Bible, you go to church, and they call you names, and they say all kinds, it's God's will. Don't try to change it. Don't try to pray it away. Just sit under that. Who's over right? Who's over strong? Yeah. That's First Peter chapter 2. E, it is God's will for his people to be thankful in all things. God wants us to be thankful. That's Ephesians 5, 19 and 20 and 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. In other words, it's God's will for us not to be complainers. Stop gungling. 
F, it's God's will for all people to be soul winners. And we're going to be talking a lot about that next year, Barcelona, because I see in this church we are not fulfilling God's will in being soul winners. We're not winning souls in this church. We're not in God's will when it comes to that. Matthew 8, 28, verse 19 and 20. G, above all, being in God's will will make you to be conformed to the image of Christ. You'll be just like Christ. That's Romans 8, 28 and 29. I'm rushing time, Bazalan. Okay, let's go to point number five. The perfect will of God can be missed. Psalm 78, verse 40 and 41. Let's run quickly. The perfect will of God can be missed. How often did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Verse 41. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. When, you, when you're not walking in God's will, you're going to limit what God can do in your life. You know, it's like children. You know, you can only help a child who's obedient to a certain level. You, you can't do more. There comes a point where you say, look, what can I do? There are people who have limited what God can do on the, in their lives because of their constant disobedience. Look at three people and say, why are you not say amen? Why are you not say amen? <laughs> the children of Israel, they missed the will of God. Some of them didn't even enter the promised land. And watch with the Bazalon. It was, it was God's will for them. It was God's will for them. It was God's will for them. God had worked hard. God had done all kinds of things to bring them to the promised land. But because of their disobedience, even what was God's will for them, they never got into it. There are many people. The day they stand in judgment before God, God will show them. This is, this is what I wanted to do with your life. This is, where you should, this, is, this is who you should have become. But look at you. I gave you gifts, talents. I gave you opportunities. I spoke to you. I woke you up in the middle of the night. I spoke to you through sermons, through songs, everything. But you were stubborn, big-headed. Didn't want to listen. Even if you could hear my voice, you were not willing. There are people that God is calling to repent, live the right way, they come to church, they sit there, the anointing comes on them, conviction comes on them, they suppress it. They will not raise their hand, they will not respond, they will leave. Let me tell you, there comes a day where God is going to play you, he's going to play that video for you. He will show you every scenario, every instance, everything's going to be open. There comes a day of reckoning. I'm telling you. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're living in a world where people have lost the fear of God. God is not a commoner. God's not a human. God's not a human being. We are all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Right now, God is showing his grace. He's showing his mercy by giving us a chance. But there are people that no matter what happens, they will not do it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So the perfect will of God can be missed. Six, in the perfect will of God, there's God's provision. Barcelona, this one is big. There's God's provision. Look at Isaiah 1 verse 19 and 20. This is powerful. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19 and 20. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. If you are willing and obedient, but if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. It's God who spoke it. Stay in my will, you'll eat the fruit of the land. Can I have an attention, Bazalan? Yes. 
Can I have your attention? I want to close with this one because I want the television audience to hear this. You see, see in God's perfect will, there's provision, there's healing, there's deliverance. There's peace that passes understanding in God's will. In God's will, there are breakthroughs, there's divine providence. In God's will, you maximize in your giftings and your talents. You become the best that there can be in God's will. But there are many people who, their life is not going anywhere. They are caught in a vicious cycle where things are falling apart. And they have never asked themselves, why is this happening? More often than not, Bazalan, more than the devil being against you. Because most people, when things work out like that, the devil is the first culprit. They fast, they pray, they bind the devil, but they've never asked themselves a question. Am I in God's will? They've never asked that question. This career, is it God's choice for me? This place I'm going to, is this God's will for me? This thing, people never ask. People never ask. We just do whatever. We own our life. We own our decisions. We, we do what we like with our body. We do what we like with our money. We do what we like with our time. We do what we like with our gifts and our talents. We do what we like. There are people who, they have never embraced certain disciplines. There are people whom God is nowhere in their lives. They don't care about God. God doesn't appear. But when they have a crisis, they want God to, uh, they want God to be here and go. They don't go to church. They're not disciplined to go to church. They don't, they don't pray. They don't, they don't do, they're not in God's will. They live the way they like. They, they go around doing all kinds of sinful things. And, 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 and you, you, you think, we think we will make God to comply to us? Oh, we are proud. Gee, and when things don't work out, when their life gets taken out, when they die before time, when they're in constant crisis in their lives and they're moving from one crisis to the other, they never stop and ask themselves, am I in God's will? In every area. Is my career in God's will? Am I living right according to God's word? Am I speaking according to God? Am I walking in forgiveness and love? Am I doing God's will? Is God's word the final authority in my life? People never ask that question. We think we can just order God around. I will live the way I want God. You bless me. It says if you are willing, it's a condition. If you are willing, you must be willing. And not just willing, obedient. God says, I promise you, you will eat the fruit of the land. He says, the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Yeah. Yeah. The mouth of the Lord has spoken it. In other words, it's me who has spoken it, God says. You may have your own opinion, but what God has said, I tell you, no one is going to come against. Remember, there are many others who tried to do what you're doing and they failed. Yeah. And you will fail too. Just like they failed. It never makes sense to me when people choose a certain way of living and they have seen the casualties of that lifestyle. How, how do we as a nation become the most drunk nation in the world? South Africa, tell me. How do we, be, how do we become a nation of drunkards and expect the destiny of South Africa to be different? You, you tell me. You, you tell me. You tell me, how do our young people drink their lives away? But you see, that's popular. You just, that's the way. You become the odd one when you talk about drinking. 
Some of us who preach this way, people don't like us. But we have story after story after story. We have history. I'm not talking about even the Bible. We've got history. You can go back in history, the history of this country. Why did we in 1976 ban the bottle stores and the bars? Why did we burn the taverns down? And I'm not saying that's what people must do right now, please. I want to put a disclaimer there. Why did we? Because we saw how the apartheid system was crafted. I don't know if some, if people, some of you even know history. There was a time in this nation when black people were banned from drinking. It was a law. Black people can't drink. So they had to drink but somebody says no. Let them. Give them booze. You see, black people are not allowed to, to have alcohol. They couldn't brew. You see, they couldn't brew our combo tea and all of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. The late human like cow layers. Cow layers. Ah, Kimuruti. It was all around that time when they had to warn Umama, Ogutinan, Nankamakpois. Because it was illegal for us to drink. But somebody found out why. Give them alcohol. So they changed. Then they started building beer, beer halls at our stations and all that. And our fathers, when they came back from working for Umlung, they called. Having been frustrated by this white man, dehumanized, and they came with their frustrations. The minute they got off the train station, they saw the beer hall, and whatever little money they had, they bought alcohol with that. My generation, a lot of us, we grew up with drunk fathers. And our mothers had to shoulder the family and raise us up. I, I come from a family, Barcelona. Part of my family line is a family I saw drunk. That, that's, that made an impression on me as a young man. I'll never forget I think I was nine years old, ten years old. We went to sleep over at one of the family members, Kai Kai Kai. And the, the, the owner of the house, I, he was an alcoholic, that man. I guess he was a little bit I didn't even know that. I, this man on But then I remember, we were sleeping in the dining room. You know our small houses? We were in the dining room. He had his own master bedroom. But he was so drunk that he never even closed his door. And I watched this man throughout the night struggle to find the bed. He couldn't. He <laughs> couldn't find the bed. Got on it. Got on the bed. Fell the other side. The whole night. And he would, he would cry and scream oh, oh, the whole night. Whole night. I mean, I was nine years old. I'm looking at the... By God's grace, my dad didn't drink. I thank God for my father. My father never drank. That's why I never drank alcohol in my life. I came from a home of a man who he took us to bed. There was order in my home. Because of my dad and my mom. 
took care of us, sober, talked to us, and I come into this house of this man. It's his house. This man is a mess. Doesn't greet, doesn't eat. You know, even if Rupegi stumbled to his bedroom 10 at night, couldn't find the bed for the whole night. Whole night, I'm telling you. Whole night. Early hours of the morning. Is the, and you know when you are a child, eh, you become afraid. I thought the brother was going to die. And following day, he woke up. And I'm looking at him. And I'm curious as a child. Why is it like this? And then one of our family members, he would drink so much. This, this person used to be in some form of martial arts. And when he's drunk, he would practice this martial arts on his wife. <laughs> Several times he broke the wife's arms. And... But then I grew up in a family. I grew up, I, I remember there's a, another woman in our family. I don't ever remember seeing that woman sober. Ever since killing one. I'm being honest with you. I don't not once. I remember one day at Akohai and he had a, a rotten tomato in her hands. Talking to us, oh, and then she started eating that, and I said, Whoa. Yeah, I'm, I'm oh, You see those things, ne? That one of those things. But you see, today, alcohol has been made to be a social thing. They don't even tell you how much it affects children in the womb. Once people are drunk, their defense systems and their boundaries go down. And they start doing stuff. You see the things that people post. You just can't imagine that a person can do that. And they are trying to normalize it. Would you know, whatever. Do we understand? I'm asking. Quote me, Barcelona. 10 years from now, 20 years from now. Listen to a man who has a concern for his nation. Call me whatever name. I don't care. I don't care. I, I'm crying for the future of our children. Yeah. These little ones that we bring into the world, they're going to grow up with parents and it's worse now. Because the girls are drinking as much as the boys now. Now I say, no, you're discriminating. No, I'm not. I'm not saying girls mustn't drink. It's your right. You drink. At least back then, we had a mother who could give us some sense of normality in her home. She was beaten up. Didn't have money. She had to try, do what she could with the little she had to raise us up. Because Papa, who is earning money, he's blowing it with alcohol. At least there was mama. So I honor the women of this country. Honor them. I honor you women. And why we have to abuse women, I don't understand that. I don't understand that. Most of the crimes committed in our country, statistics are showing, 80% to 90% of the times the people were drunk. That's the statistics. The accidents, that people dying, large numbers. 15 people dying at the go. Somebody was drunk. 
government is tiptoeing around it. Now, I know some of you progressive us, you can legislate. People will ever, ever, ever. Okay, that's okay. Whatever your views are. But what I can tell you is that I wonder if we're ready for the monster that we're creating. Yeah. I wonder. I mean, it shocked me during lockdown. It shocked me. When they said no alcohol, and then when the president said, okay, you can buy from this time to this time, the queues. Queues that you will never find at a church building. Cues that you will never find in anything that will build us our lives. They never find it. People were willing to stay there for hours when they will, be, they, will be, they will not be happy to be in church for hours. Jesus says, where, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. That shows you where our heart are. What a nation of drunkards. We are just thinking about the pleasure for now. We're not thinking about the future. We're not thinking about building this nation. We're not. We're living for now because you read the book of Psalms when it talks about drunkenness. That's the mindset. You live for now. We have to get ourselves into a drunken stupor to try and avoid facing the challenges we are facing. Some of us are trying to bring a solution. Yeah. So you'd rather be drunk and not face the truth. But let me tell you, you are going to be sober. And when you are sober, it's still exactly where you left it. It hasn't gone away. Yeah. We think we can be out of God's will like that. We think we can live and we think it's not going to affect us. You think it's not going to tear a nation down? And then when, when the nation gets down, they are going to run to us. Hey, rapel, I'm root. Or better still, you tell me. We live in a time when people don't want to take responsibility for their actions. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I will not be quiet as a preacher. I will not be quiet. No. I say that because some of you, some of you in the name of being progressive, you are giving in to these things. Some of you young people, you see all this thing, all that, you think that's the way to live. That's not the way to live, my children. That's not the way to live. It's the worst thing you can ever do with your life. We meet them, these guys. We, we stand here next to each other. Look at us. You can think I'm 20 years younger than them. No, it's not because of anything. I can say I'm... It's because... And I didn't do Botox either. But because the stuff that you put in your body affects your health. And I'm telling them, I'm saying, now at 60, I just feel like I'm starting again. I'm, I feel like I'm at the prime of my life. I want to do more. And you can see these guys, they don't have... And so when they say you are a fool because you're at home at 7 o'clock, you are sleeping at 8 o'clock, you are faithful to your wife, you're not drinking anything, you're with your kids, they say you are a fool because you go to church, you wake up for the morning prayer because you go to church on Sunday, when they say you are a fool because you're coming for a prayer meeting, you're going to line cross us, when they say that you're a fool because you read the Bible and you try to live right, they say you're a fool, and I say just give me 20 years and we will see who is a fool between you and me. Just give me 20 years. Give me 20 years. We will see who's a fool between me and you. When they have to take tablets to sleep, their liver is eaten out. 
You sleep with peace. Like a little baby. No, no issues. But that's why Jesus came. He came for us broken people. That's the nice thing with the gospel. If you are here, Barcelona, and you are struggling with substance abuse, today, I believe God can take you somewhere. Decide to lay down. Don't fight. Don't, don't sit there and be angry with me. I don't know you personally. I'm here as a servant of God. And maybe God is speaking to you. God's trying to get you back to the center of his will. You're busy pulling that way. God says, ah, this is the way. And if you're a young person, and you're trying to, you know, I had to walk away from a lot of friendships as a, as a, as a young person. Because they didn't benefit me. Some environments that are toxic. You don't want to stay around certain people. Yeah. I rather took time to be in church. I'd rather spend my life cooking king. And let them call me a fool. But just stay away. Because some of these environments, you stay there, you'll end up sleeping in. Yeah. And just one day of foolishness can affect the rest of your life. One minute of being not on guard can alter the destiny of your life. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Pray in the Holy Ghost, everybody. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost, everybody. Pray in the Holy Ghost, everybody. Hallelujah. Pray in the Holy Ghost, everybody. Pray, pray, pray out loud. Let's hear you. Pray out loud. Pray with passion. Yes. When God speaks to us. Bless the Lord. 